I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Bridge the Atlantic. We are your host, music web designer, Ross Barber, owner of Electric Kiwi, where we create awesome custom websites for bands, artists, and musicians. And I'm award-winning independent singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist, uh, Marcia Novelli. This week, we welcome songwriter, producer, and vocalist of Cartel, Will Pugh, to the show. As the main songwriter in Cartel, Will has written records that have sold over 500,000 copies, and he has two top 40 hits to his name. In addition to his work with Cartel, Will has also worked on records for Hydra Melody, Team, and The Delta as a producer and engineer. We're excited to hear about Will's career so far, what advice he'd give to fellow musicians, and what's coming up. Hi, Will. Hello, how are you? I am well, thank you. How are you? I'm fantastic. Awesome. Ready, uh, Ross, are you ready to get things started very awkwardly? As always. Like the show. Okay, yeah. tell us three things about yourself, Will, that everyone should know. Ooh, uh, I am a avid lover of music of all kinds. Uh, I pretty much don't listen to anything that Cartel sounds like anymore. Uh, as a little <laughs> side note to that. Um, yeah, weird, but I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a weird, like, Radiohead, like, crazy music that makes your mom wince. Uh, that's the kind of stuff I actually like. Um, the second thing, a very avid uh, Georgia Bulldogs football fan, uh, college football um, pa- too passionate, in fact, uh, scaring friends and family quite often during games, and a ridiculous golf nerd. Um, I have played golf since I was seven. I'm 31, so 24 years of golf, and uh, actually ranked number three in music in Golf Digest. No kidding. Not humble brag, but I work real hard to get humble there, brag. so, you know, I'll, I'll take it. it. <laughs> awesome. Um, so, let's just jump right in, and uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Cartel, first of all. Um, so, you toured pretty heavily with Cartel, playing with artists like Newfound Glory, LMFAO, and All Time Low. Mm-hmm. Do you have any sort of highlights or very memorable stories from any of the tours? You know, uh, Newfound Glory was probably the best thing that ever happened to our band, um, just because, I mean, when I was 15 and just starting to get into the underground scene, uh, listened to a lot of hardcore, like straight edge hardcore, like the stuff most people never heard of unless you were into that scene. Um, and then Newfound Glory came on and, you know, all of a sudden all my friends were tough and, you know, like vegan straight edge and we're going to go mosh the pit and stuff like that, or like into this, you know, all about girls pop punk thing. Um, and I, w- I was down because I've always enjoyed pop, even as a you know little kid, mom listening to you know soft rock, for- top forty hits sort of stuff. So uh, melody has always been my friend. I love it. So Newfound Glory was a big uh, uh, a surprise to the group of uh, friends, and everybody was into it all of a sudden because Chad was in Shy Halud, which is a hardcore band we all listened to. So it was like, oh yeah, it's cool because Chad's a hardcore dude, um, and. Yeah, that was when I was 15. We first toured with them, let's see, 06, so I was 22, so seven years later. 
um, we played a college show with them in Boston, and it was the first time we'd ever met them. And obviously, you know, we knew everything that they had put out, like, you know, backwards and forwards, loved them, and been to a ton of their shows in Atlanta. And so we played with them in Boston, and I guess we had submitted for their tour that was going to be later that year. This was in April, and we toured with them that fall of 06. And um, we played a show with them and kind of had a weird shared dressing room, like in a backstage like gym sort of thing. And, uh, you know, there's not really any conversations that you can have that aren't overheard by the other bands. So, uh, we, well, I guess, I don't even remember what we were actually talking about, but somehow <laughs> Ian, if you don't know him, is like probably the bass player of Newfound. Uh, probably one of the most, like, at first you would think he's a giant asshole, but in reality he's one of the nicest dudes ever, but he's just, you know, real just kind of grump a little bit when you first are exposed to him. Um, and he heard, overheard us talking about something and then like butted in, jumped in like our little curtained off section and we just started hanging out. And um, he, he apparently was always the one that was tough to win over with the band, like who should tour with Newfound. And apparently right after that show, he's like, I don't care who's on the tour, but make sure Cartel's on that tour. <laughs> That's and, nice. uh, so, you know, from there, like <laughs> Newfound Glory being like kind of that, you know, wet dream band to tour with when I was a teenager um, to be able to actually do that. And we toured with them an another time as well um, in 2013 and played, you know, a ton of shows with them otherwise. But to be able to count them as friends and all that was probably the highlight of anything, you know, that I could say with Cartel. But um, that's, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that and Kevin... We played in 07, we went to uh, the Jingle, I think it's called the Jingle Bell Jam or Jingle Jam or something, Z100 in New York. I forget, all those Christmas shows have the same name, but in a different style. But um, <laughs> It was huge. Uh, this Madison Square Garden, we didn't actually play there. We played a separate venue that was with uh, All American Rejects. It was like a kickoff show. Um, but we actually introduced Evanescence on stage at uh, Madison Square Garden, which was Evanescence. Yeah, I mean she's killer. I just vocalist. rediscovered them again. I was in love with them for years. I just got back into them. Just ah. Anyway, sorry. Go on. Yeah, no, no. She. It's it's definitely some really good songwriting. Once Ben left, it was like things kind of went down. But she's a ridiculous. I was say just her voice, right? Yeah, it's it's stupid. You, she could sing the phone book. It'd be all right. But <laughs> um, backstage, it was kind of a weird. Like definitely the most exposure to celebrity we ever had, and. um it was just us backstage. Like we met Hulk Hogan there at one point, um, which was kind of cool for like you know when you're a little kid and you're like Hulkamania, sweet. But um, <laughs> it's kind of too giant of a personality, both physically and figuratively, to uh, really get to hang out with. But we were backstage with one of the, like the artist you know catering things, just you know having a drink, just watching the show on the TV, and Bon Jovi's standing over there. John Bon Jovi, not the band, but just the artist. Um, he's standing over there with his like. I don't know, eight-year-old kid, something like that. And Kevin, our drummer, is a fanatically huge, like, 80s rock uh, fan. So, like, Bon Jovi and Journey, if they were in the room, like, you've never seen him fanboy like this ever. And he's standing there, and he looks over, and I was, you know, and we're all just like, well, you know, because you're desensitized to it at a certain point when you're just, you know, surrounded by, like, well, there's Rihanna, there's... Bon Jovi, there's Hulk Hogan, there's this, you know, it's like, okay, you're just overwhelmed. And Kevin, uh, Kevin looks at me, he's like, dude, it's Bon Jovi. I was like, you got to go say, what's up, dude? I was like, he's right there. You're here. You got the same credentials. Go say something. He's like, 
I have to, right? I'm like, yeah, you have to. So he goes over there and right in front of John's like eight-year-old kid, he's like, John, Kevin Sanders, just want to say you're a fucking badass. <laughs> it's like <laughs> right in front of his child. I'm like, Kevin, you could not drop the F-bomb. And <laughs> Bon Jovi's just sitting there. He just kind of laughs. He's like, right on, dude. Like, appreciate that. And Kevin's like, awesome. And walks away. I was like, it's kind of like a blackout moment. He's like, was oh, I cool? Like, yeah, you were cool. Yeah, sure, man. Yeah. <laughs> not nervous, but you did say fuck in front of an eight-year-old. So <laughs> there's that. Uh, <laughs> you know, give and take. <laughs> it's pretty funny. So uh, Cartel's second album, you guys recorded it and produced it as like an uh, MTV experiment called Band in a Bubble, uh, which sounds a little strange to me. But um, can you tell us a bit about the experience and how that kind of differed from your usual writing and recording process? Uh, yeah, so... Uh, there was a band in Australia called Regurgitator that had done like an art installation. I, I forget where it was. I believe it was in Sydney. Um, but the same sort of thing where they set up like a giant, you know, plexiglass sort of cube um, in like a public space, a uh, public square or something like that. And lived in there, recorded an album, did that whole, uh, did the whole thing. And it was kind of like a... Yeah, it was kind of like, uh, what's his name, David Blaine, who would like live in a box in New York City. It was like that, but really big. Um, so they kind of started it, uh, and that was without any sort of commercial like sponsorship or anything. They just got permits and did it. Um, and MTV borrowed that idea to do Band in a Bubble. Ours wasn't like a giant cube. It looked more like an igloo, actually. It was kind of weird, but um, the essentially the idea was we live in this thing for 20 days. We... Um, we go in and make our record, and people were able to come down onto. It was one of the piers, um, like next to Chelsea Piers in New York, if anybody's familiar with that. And they were able to come down the pier, like kind of sit there and watch it. I think there were some activities, like a volleyball net or something like that. It was just kind of. And it was sponsored by Dr. Pepper and Walmart and stuff like that, which was kind of. Uh, Dr. Pepper was the initial sponsor we heard of, but we kind of showed up the first day and like looked and we're like, okay, KFC and Walmart too? Mmm, not necessarily our vibe, but. <laughs> When you sign that sort of contract, you kind of lose all control of that, um, right. fortunately. But um, anyway, yeah, the, you could kind of come down there, and there was a giant like plexiglass in front. I, I forget the dimensions, but it's pretty pretty huge. You kind of see into the the living space there, and there were some TVs out there that were kind of closed circuit where they had cameras set up in um, like kind of in the kitchen where you couldn't really see that well. And then back in the control room itself, um, so that essentially was the idea. You, there was live uh, 24-7 webcams where you could kind of peek in, see what we were doing, even if it was nothing. Um, and we sat there and made a record. Uh, and it was, it, it was pretty crazy. Uh, we didn't go as stir-crazy as you would think. I mean, we'd been in a bus you know, at that point for three years almost consecutively. So the bubble, if you will, was uh, a lot bigger than that. So not a really big deal for Would us. Did you do um, it again? Uh, under different circumstances, yeah. I mean, yeah. If, if I mean, if the same exact thing, hindsight, no. Um, but not because of like the effects of it or anything like that, but more so the shenanigans that they tried to pull off when we were like, "Hey, listen, we told you this wasn't going to be real world. Like, there's no drama here. We've been friends since we were like 14, and to like Nick and Kevin have known each other since kindergarten. Like, this isn't going to be." A drama filled. They wanted thing. to make like a reality show with drama, Big Brother <laughs> yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, and we told them like, don't think that, think Jackass. Like we're just a bunch of, <laughs> you, know, like you know, we get a 
get together, you give us a little alcohol and we're just having fun and making fun of each other and, you know, right. good natured way, like, you know, just buddies. Um, but they, you know, they were trying to stir some controversy, which I think we handled really well because there was never any moments of controversy. Um, but how, yeah. how so? How did they try to pepper that in there? Oh God. Um, the first thing they did was, uh, well, I mean, there was one computer with the internet cause we were supposed to be like chatting, like live chatting with fans and stuff. Um, and then, you know, we obviously could check our email and, you know, talk with family or whatever if we had to. But I guess we watched the first episode that they put out and we didn't necessarily know how it was going to go. We saw the first episode because they were coming out while we were in the bubble and there were four of them. So we saw the first one. And we were like, wait a second. Like, you guys are being assholes. Like, we didn't say that. That's not what we did. You're making it look like I told Kevin he was a dick. And that's not at all what happened. You know, like. And so we kind of expressed ourselves, um, where obviously fans could hear it and they didn't want to break that. What do they call it? Like the fourth wall or something what is in theater. Um, didn't want to break that. So they turned off the internet, which, you know, to dudes where there's no TV, there's nothing. The only contact with the outside world is a window and uh, a laptop. We, uh, we kind of went in a little nuts <laughs> and like, that's moved- fucked up. Yeah, moved all the webcams and stuff. It, yeah, we, we were kind of like, this is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first thing, which I think was more just a, you know, they could have told us like, hey guys, don't watch the episodes because it will affect things. And we'd have been like, well, we get it, but don't do that. You know, don't edit it like that. That's stupid. Because um, our fans knew that we weren't like that band. Because um, it wasn't our first exposure to, you know, fans seeing us outside of well, the question I have for you, how did it affect the recording of the record, though? Did you find that you were still able to make the record that you guys wanted to make? Or did oh, you yeah. find, okay, good, because I was I was wondering if you felt like it was too invasive and you guys weren't able to do exactly what you're doing. Because I'm a big fan of, I, I, when I make a record, I, I document it, right? Mm-hmm. But the fear is always there, you know, is this going to change a little bit of how, you know you perform which it doesn't if, if you get used to and uh, you get used to the cameras being there and you forget they're there and you're just yourself yeah. um no that's good that's good to hear yeah no it was i mean if anything we just kind of retreated into the process um because i mean you know we still had a record to make and that's not just a you know easy thing to do so it was very time consuming um if anything we spent more time in the studio than we would have had we not been in that sort of environment um so yeah, it was it was fine <laughs> as far as artistically. I mean, I right, was just right. in there, you know, editing or like playing around with different things to do and like recording some vocals and all that. So like, I was pretty immersed in it. Um, other the other guys in the band might have a different story because kind of once they did their part, they just kind of hung out and did their own thing and you know tried to interact with the fans that were actually there, um, which I didn't do much of because I was in the control room pretty much twenty four seven. Right. Right. Speaking of being in the control room and uh, doing 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 a lot of things all at once, yeah. uh, we recently read on Twitter that you are working on a solo album. Yeah, um, which is really exciting. We'd love to hear about that. Yeah, so it's been something I've been uh, like probably shit, it was twenty fifteen four to six seven years. Um, I've kind of been messing around well, with. It's twenty nineteen. Oh God. <laughs> just kidding time um yeah no we i've been messing around with it uh, pretty much since i got a mobile recording set up um some of the things have kind of made its way into cartel albums um like waste 
solo song I did um, that turned into a cartel song. Um, and the song, uh, like the hidden track at the end of that album, the Get Through This, that was a solo thing as well. Um, it was kind of never intended for cartel, but that was the only outlet I had to get it, you know, to actually express those songs through. So it, it made its way. And um, pretty much from there on, I've entertained the notion of doing it, but obviously with being the principal songwriter in Cartel and having all those uh, responsibilities, it kind of just kind of fell by the wayside and I would do some songs here and there that were just, you know, in the process of writing for Cartel, some other things would come out that weren't Cartel at all. And I was going to ask you, how, how do you differentiate it? Like, when, what, what moment did it happen where you're writing for Cartel for so many years and then suddenly you're feeling like, well you know, this is not going to cartel when you're the principal songwriter in the band anyways. So how do, yeah. how do, you, how do you find that differentiation? Uh, it sounds way different. Like, I think... Sound. Yeah, it's, it's like, the solo stuff will not sound like cartel at all. Um, like, I, I think a lot of people, if they didn't know what my voice sounded like on recording, uh, and even then, it like, my voice doesn't sound the same in this stuff either. It's, because uh, it's not, you know, bombastic sort of rock. It's more... A little more subdued, moody, um, or at least that's the stuff that I've been writing. It's not necessarily all the same genre. I'm still like actually trying to pin down like a direction um, stylistically because I've ridden the fence of a little bit electronic, super like almost grungy sort of rock because uh, that was like my early influences when I first started playing music or anything. It's gone so many different directions that I've had like periods of writing and really trying to find what I want to do outside of cartel is tough because I feel like I've got so many different things I could do like a postal service type vibe, um, all the way to like death cat for cutie sort of indie, um, real like melancholy, sad bastard stuff. And, uh, (laughs) and then, you know, like, you know, rage against the machine and Pearl jam and all these other bands that I kind of grew up listening to. It's like that rock, you know, just unadulterated. That's also in me somewhere. So, and then, you know, more recently, like, uh, artists like Yonzi and like Sigaros and Radiohead and things like that, that kind of explore the, the weird realms, but still, um, still have a little bit of a pop sensibility. You know what, it's though, just well, tough. I, I'd love to hear Ross's opinion on this, but I think there's more flexibility. I mean, this just might be me, but I feel like there's more flexibility when it comes to a solo artist. Mm-hmm. I feel like a band, it's more important. And I, this is just me, maybe my own weird kind of obsessive compulsive head that like a band can, ha- you know, tends to benefit better with a sound. And also so that everyone kind of knows what they're going into as in the members themselves. But a solo artist, we almost want to, we expect there, there's going to be a lot of different angles you know different different moods and feels i mean that's the way i approach my albums and it's just kind of like the thing tying it together is your voice and there and there's a thread tying something together there um some of my favorite solo artists their albums honestly range yeah there's a girl named Myers, and her album is totally there's some grunge on there right down to like some yeah. electronic stuff but again Tegan you're and, right uh, Te- they all tie together and sarah i think are a great example I, i'm not sure if you're love Tegan and sarah not only does yeah. each album have its own sound but even within that album, they'll have like a pop punk song, but then you can still tell it's them. Yeah, they're still. So I wouldn't beat yourself up about it, man. Honestly, I think that you know I'm excited to hear it, so you know just do it. <laughs> you know, and I think that it's alright. And I think once you record it too, you'll know. I think you'll know. You've done this enough times. You'll know what feels right. 
but there is a difference. You're on your own this time doing it, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, for you know, a lot of times, especially with cartel being you know ten something years along, right? You know, we've um, I, I've kind of we've gotten used to the process of like, all right, I'm going to write some chords and have like general idea of where a lead would be, and then my vocals are this, and then the drums are going to sound like this because that's the way Kevin plays, and then bring right. it into the band, and it's like, yep, they're doing pretty much 80% to 90% of what I thought they were going to do in the first place. <laughs> so it all works out. Whereas now it's like, shit, um, <laughs> I have to do everything and I don't have any expectations of myself one way or the other. And it's like, well, I could do this or I could do that. And it's like some of that production mind starts to come in. We're like, well, God, I could do this so many different directions. Well, are you producing this yourself? Uh, that's kind of the plan as of now, but, um, I bounced some things up back and forth with my manager about uh, the potential of getting an outside ear production-wise. Whether I was it's because that could be the dangerous part. Not only as a solo artist, you have unlimited you know areas you can go through, but producing yourself too is like if you're since you're a producer already, you know there's a million and one ways you can go with this song. You yeah. end up with twenty versions of the same song. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. But, it's it's almost like I need to go retreat myself somewhere away from Pro Tools and like write all the songs and then. Once I have some sort of clear identity, um, even if that identity is multifaceted, like you said, where it's like, well, I'm going to release five songs of an electronic project, five songs of a super grunge, whatever thing, you know, right, just whatever it, it is. But um, yeah. I think that's the initial thing. You know, the hardest thing to do is always the first thing. And it's, you know, because, I, you know, I look at different bands and like artists that I'm like, all right, you know, these these bands have progressed and really honed their sound where it's still that band after all these years. I mean, I think like Radiohead, obviously where they started and where they are now are polar opposites almost, but the voice still maintain the same. Um, Coldplay is another, like early Coldplay stuff is my jam. Yeah, where they, I mean, they had like, I mean, there was nothing more than just the band there. And now it's like, you know, it, it, you know, indistinguishable from it's almost like the music grew as the, their main as their popularity grew because the music was really small. I sort of cut you off there, but the music was really small almost. If that no, you know, totally. music's big now, yeah, it's it. The, I look at bands like that and I'm like, well, I could do something like that too. And like, I feel like overall, the, the main consistent theme is I want it to feel like there's certain records that just make me like I can listen to them right now and just feel so much. And it's, it's not just like one specific thing. and that's that's sort of the challenge because I feel like some of the music I've written, some of it has achieved that. Uh, but it's you know it's hard because you're it's obviously subjective because it's your music. But um, I think part of the the you know the hang up is that you know some of those things like the Yancey record specifically. Like when I listen to that, I'm just like so not overwhelmed, but uh, yeah, o overwhelmed, but in a good way. Just like God, this is such like sensory like. Uh, Blitzkrieg, you know, you're just like, oh my god, there's so many different things, and I can feel it, and I can hear it, and then this, I don't even know what he's saying at some points, because he's speaking Icelandic, and then, yes. uh, you know, but I still feel whatever he's trying to convey, and that seems like more of a challenge for me, where I come in from a world of like, alright, here's the verse, and here's the chorus, and here's the bridge, and here's the, the, you know, like, that's a little easier, even though he's still doing those same sort of things, it's like, all over the place. It's like, well, I'm going to have a, you know, a harmonium here and then I'm going to have a, a flute solo and then, <laughs> and then I'm going to have you know, some <laughs> strings come in and the bridge that don't appear ever again. You're just like, you know, you're not used to thinking that way because you've been in a band and it's like, well, there's guitars and bass and drums and vocals and cool. Whereas now it's like literally 
anything you could imagine you can put on this song. It's like, well, the palette's too big to like really synthesize without some sort of angle, you know? It's exciting um, and terrifying. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're just like, yeah. well, I've got three, you know, I got 3,000 different patches with, you know, two or three variations each. So I'm looking between six and 9,000 different sounds that I could use. Well, it's, it's not 10,000. Yeah, it's not ten thousand. <laughs> no, if you hit ten thousand, man, I'd be like, okay, all right, dial it back. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, it's it, it's all really splitting hairs at at one point, but um, yeah, I, I think you know my my main directive now is when I have some time, which it seems like I'm going to in the next little bit, and obviously with um, you know, there's always going to be break in production schedules uh, that I have normally filled with you know co-writing. Um, uh, for you know a variety of different styles, but I think I'll be able to like actually you know carve out some time for myself and really just focus on that because I, I really haven't done it in a long time, like not since the last cartel record. So it's I think I mean and this is kind of a sad thing. Like I think about it, I'm surprised almost. But um, I've only written and finished one demo since Collider came out because I've been working otherwise. It's okay though, man. It happens. Oh yeah, Because yeah. then when you it, go back to it, you're just gonna it's just gonna pour out of you and you have to live you know that's okay you know you have to live between albums you, know, <laughs> you do you need to you know you have a kid on the way yes i do that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna help you just write a whole new that's slew. gonna yeah it's <laughs> gonna be a whole new record i think <laughs> you better get this record out soon man because you're gonna have a whole slew of a whole other angle of songs you're yeah. gonna go to you're gonna end up with a hundred songs in front of you and just be like ah quadruple album <laughs> yeah I, I think you know honestly the Thinking of that and knowing that that's obviously going to be a, a life-changing thing, even more so than it already is. But, um, you know, I think the trend nowadays for artists that aren't Adele is uh, EPs. Because you're not, like, necessarily committed to, like, here's 12 songs that are supposed to blow your mind. It's like, I can give you five songs of one thing. Especially if you're going with different genres or a little bit different sounds. Like, you can get those out quicker. Like, I could record an EP in a couple weeks if it were finished, if not quicker. Or finished writing, I mean. Um, and just churn out four of those a year, all different sounds. It like kind of uh, appeases the artistic endeavors of like, well, I want to write a record like this, and I want to write a record like this. You can just kind of do it all and throw it under, you know, one project name, and then or just have multiple projects. Like, well, I'm Absolutely, doing this record. Why not? This one, like Ryan why Adams, not? you know. Yeah, why he's moving around. Awesome. Who well, knows? Get on that, man. <laughs> we are both really excited to hear that. Are you ready for twenty questions? I am ready. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Meat or veggies? Mm, meat. Hmm. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, that, I'm that straight edge vegan you were talking about earlier in the episode. I'm just kidding. Not straight edge. I love veggies, but it's like, oh man, like, I don't know. Yeah, more so <laughs> fish. Like, I, can't, I right. can't get away with sushi, even though I know they like feel more than anything else. I'm not right, trying right. to jump in that. <laughs> into that argument but it's, no, no it's okay i'm just teasing. it's at least healthier i'm more for like the healthier thing and obviously yeah, good i'm you, really man. just riding myself into a corner here yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're lucky i like you <laughs> tv or netflix netflix twitter or facebook twitter yoga or yogurt yoga nice Friends or Seinfeld? What happened to your voice there, Ross? It was like, friends. <clears throat> I was trying something new. I was, I was trying <laughs> that, you know. Just going, going huskier, like, do I sound sexy? <laughs> do I sound awesome now? All right, so what, what was that 90s question again? <laughs> it was Friends or Seinfeld, and you love both of them, Marcio, so shut up. 
No, actually, not. I like Seinfeld. Love Seinfeld. Yeah, I, I actually Seinfeld. just watched all of Seinfeld, oh, like good. from start to finish, with Hulu just putting it on this oh, summer. Amazing. Um, it's amazing that that show started at what, like ninety two? Was it eighty nine? Yes. God, yeah. no, Same year as The Simpsons, man. That's even crazy. better. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but it, it's crazy how um, one, how many social like modern social things we have that developed from Seinfeld Mm -hmm. and then uh how it still is it still carries like it's still good even with you know they didn't have cell phones or any of that stuff like during the time it's like okay this is still relevant it's the comedy is genius so yeah I I love friends but Seinfeld is like producing or performing producing Paramore or Fall Out Boy Paramore analog or digital Mm, analog Oh, I'm surprised by that one. Canada or Scotland? Oh, fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll say Scotland because I haven't been there as much in the mystique. Everyone stuff. says that. <laughs> I do like Canada. Everyone though. says that. <laughs> and, uh, Vancouver and Toronto are... Oh, I am Montreal. All three of those are pretty awesome. In between... It's not so good. It's okay. It's, most of everyone that wants to see you live will go to one of those three cities anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Great so, people in Canada, but there's not really shit. Yeah, we're all right. You know? We're all right. No, 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 no. <laughs> Football or golf? And I think we know the answer is... Ooh. 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 Playing or, or spectating? Hmm. One of each. Uh, playing golf, spectating football. Yeah, golf's pretty boring to watch. Yeah, unless, even for me, and I know exactly yeah. what's happening. Unless it's Tiger Woods about to win a major, which hasn't happened. Yeah, yeah. I've watched golf. Every, you know what? Actually, I say boring, but if you want to relax, it's actually a great thing to put on. If you want to just relax. Oh, yeah. But have something on golf. Take great. a nap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and wake up and nothing's really happened. <laughs> yeah. The British Open is the best because you have uh, the British announcers early. Um, if you watch early, co- or they used to, the earlier coverage. Now it's like ABC. So, um those were always great because they're just like, oh, it's a marvelous shot there, you know, <laughs> tracking towards the pin. Oh, just brilliant. You know, like they have such so, so a different, and my accent is terrible, but like. Uh, it's actually all right. Uh, yeah, I was going to say it's much better. Shut than up, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's, uh, that, that, I, I like that because it's just like, oh, that's different. No, it's it's yeah, a yeah. different way of putting it. It's great. <laughs> so education or experience? I think experience is education. Oh. So I'll say experience. He gone and flipped that. <laughs> he did. He did. Sorry to get all, you know, existential on. Oh no, don't. We love that on this show. <laughs> we love it. Brand new or taking back Sunday. Ooh. And you guys were you, it's weird to ask you that cuz you were kind of part of that whole yeah. scene and along with those guys, but Um without 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 ruining any friendships you may have had. Ah. <laughs> That's tough. It, it it varies by record. I would say overall, probably taking back Sunday, but I think brand new has been more influential mm, than taking back yeah. Sunday. Elaine or George? Oh, um, George. Yeah, I like George too. I I was expecting to hate George before I watched no. Seinfeld, and I just I love George. No. He's like he's totally my favorite. No. Michael Jackson or oh, Michael yeah. Bolton. Oh, come on, MJ. <laughs> Although Michael Bolton is funnier commercials. Yeah, exactly. It's awesome. Celine Dion or Marilyn Manson? Uh, man, that's tough. Um, I like Manson because just, he, he just didn't care. 
he exactly. just wanted to make people feel something in one way or the other. I think that's kind of badass. Agreed. Ricky Gervais or Ricky Martin? No, Gervais. Come on. Nice. Very nice. Whale or Kale? Uh, Kale. Nice. You know what? It makes up for the meat comment earlier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it makes up for it. <laughs> Bette Midler or the Riddler? <laughs> Bette Midler. She's amazing. And the final question, Will, and before you answer this, remember, I'm also a singer-songwriter. Who knows mm -hmm. what the future holds? You're a producer. I'm looking to do another album. I'm looking to work with a few other producers. Okay. You never know what's going to happen down the road, Will. I'm saying, <laughs> Ross, great dude. Not, not a singer-songwriter. So. <laughs> Go on. And that question is? <laughs> it's Ross or Marcio. Just saying. <laughs> oh, what asshole! Dude, that's a rough question. Everybody has to answer that question. Oh, everyone yeah. has to. Everyone, everyone has to. Some people curse at us. Some people tell us. Somebody. I think we have someone. One person did just tell off. us to fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. Someone just said fuck, and they refused to answer. They just said fuck off, and we laughed hysterically. I'm gonna you give have, you, you have the, to answer. <laughs> I'm gonna give you a off the wall answer. Um, right. So I've been listening to a lot of like metaphysical. Uh, like, um, well, oh God, I'm just uh, psychedelic sort of podcasts. Sure. Um, and the last one I listened to was uh, mostly about Aleister Crowley, or Crowley, excuse me, apparently that's the way you pronounce it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he had the whole left, uh, left hand path or left full path or whatever. So because Marcio is on my left on the screen, I got to go with him. Ah, yeah. Well, I won. You know, Shut I, up, Ross. Yeah. I don't care how I won that one. It's one of it's I you know. It. What's it's that? Well, sorry. What was that? It's because that's the way it is on the screen. I was like, well, <laughs> well now you're killing me. Now you're like, it's only because that's I know, <laughs> Marcio. Uh, come on. You know what? Isn't most of life just like showing up and being there? Though, isn't that like half? You know, just being in the right place at the right time. And right now, I am in the right place at the right time. So. I'll take it. Well, this has been great, man. You are you are a great dude, and uh, uh, could you let everyone know where they can find you online? Uh, yeah, not that so, it's hard, but yeah, no. Nah, um, on Twitter, it's Will Pug, although that's not how you pronounce my name. Long okay. story short, I, <laughs> a bass player used to call me Billy Pug, and I was like, haha, and I almost made my Twitter name Billy Pug, which had been worse than people to call me Billy. <laughs> but uh, it's Will Pugh is how you say my name, but oh. Will Pug without the H at the end is. Um, the Twitter and the Instagram. Instagram I don't, right. Yeah. And your, I don't, and your website is Will Pugh Music. That's P-U-G-H music, right? Correct. And uh, you're, you are not on Facebook, but Cartel is on Facebook, simply slash Cartel, C-A-R-T-E-L, and that's uh, pretty straightforward. That is it. Awesome. And uh, I'm working on my next solo album, and you can hear my music at marcianovelli.com. That's M-A-R-C-I-O-N-O-V-E-L-L-I.com. I've also recently released my award-winning documentary, Walking Proof, which chronicles the making of my debut solo album, and you can watch it for free at marcianovelli.com slash walkingproof. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Spotify, which are all slash marcianovelli. I'm working on websites for various artists at the moment, and you can check out my work and my blog at electrickiwi.co.uk. You'll find me on Twitter and Instagram as Electric Kiwi, and on Facebook, Electric Kiwi Design. This episode was brought to you by Chris Keaton Presents. Find out more about what Chris does and how he can help you at chriskeaton.com. And if you'd like to sponsor the show, visit patreon.com slash bridge the Atlantic. Okay, well, you have to come back sometime in the future, man. When your, album, when your solo album's done, we'd love to have you back. I would love that. That'd be fun. This was a lot of, a lot of fun.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.